even in the simple moments of everyday life. A lot can be going on that we don't ever notice. But if we'll take the time, the everyday becomes extraordinary as we lean in and look closer. Well, this week we're going to look at another story of Jesus with the same heart, but a different focus. If you have your Bible with you, you can open to an app, Matthew chapter 25, and you're going to notice the timing in the first verse right out of the get-go, and it's amazing. Let me summarize it for you. Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, Satan will be destroyed, evil will be decimated, the demons will be crushed, and all heaven's going to break loose, and it will be a really, really good day. All right? That being said, let's read the Bible. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did, you? when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That passage of Scripture freaks some people out. Many people read it and they are tempted to do what I call uh, caveman theology. Sheep good, goats bad, be sheep, be nice. End of story. That's their takeaway. Here's why this passage is difficult. It's both a parable and a prophecy. Okay, it's a prophecy because this is going to happen at some point in the future, but like a parable, it uses a word picture to communicate the point. The Bible is describing, undoubtedly, a moment when human history runs its course and God is going to bring everything to an end with the return of Jesus and part of that final return of Jesus includes a final judgment of human beings who will either spend eternity with God or without God. We don't like talking about judgment. 
Actually, let me put that differently. We love talking about judgment as long as God's judgment is pointed at somebody else. But when it comes to when the finger is going right in the center of our chest, boy, we struggle. Here's an interesting thing. Recent poll, over 80% of Americans believe that somehow, some way, they're going to answer for the life they're living to someone. So with that being said, let's just look at what the Bible says about this judgment and this conversation. And if you're not already squirming, I'm squirming for the both of us, okay? Kingdom principle number one. There are sheep... There are goats. Deep theology, I know. Some of you are just like, wow, Grant, did you study the Greek to get that out of that? There are sheep and there are goats. I remember hearing this story as a kid, and, and I had no idea. Why would God waste his time sorting livestock? But then I figured he was God, and he could do whatever he wants. And then as a middle schooler, I figured out, oh, God's actually talking about people here. There's Jesus following sheep, which in the story, it's good to be a sheep. And then there's non-Jesus following goats, which have a, a very tragic ending. And I was confused because I kind of like goats. I just kind of like them. I, I think they're fun, right? And I did a little research. Goats are stubborn, destructive, independent, and follow their own will. They are their own boss, which is why they are always in trouble. That's one group of people. Then there's this other group of people who apparently are just, they're good because they know how to follow. This is so important to note as you walk through this parable. Your relationship to the shepherd determines your eternity. Your actions determine your allegiance. Let me say that again. Your relationship to the shepherd determines your eternity. Your actions determine your allegiance. The Bible says God's going to judge both the sheep and the goats. He's going to divide, separate, and categorize. And that bothers some of us. It's just like, how dare God judge me you're offended just because you're offended does not mean you're right the bible makes it clear there are sheep there are goats these plushies are available on amazon for 16.99 just in case you're wondering <laughs> there are sheep there are goats there are saved there are unsaved there are jesus followers and there are jesus resistors I want to encourage the sheep in the room and to challenge those of you who are checking out sheepdom. <laughs> I want you to listen to Jesus talk about his sheep. Here's what's ironic about everything that Jesus is going to say. He was saying it in front of an audience of, of goats, a group of Pharisees who were very religious and they thought they were the greatest of all time when it came to following the rules. So Jesus is going to talk about his sheep front of a group of goats I think this is worth eavesdropping on John chapter 10 very truly I tell you Pharisees anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep the gate owner opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he's brought all out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep will follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees, they didn't understand what he was telling them. 
Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The Pharisees thought they were the greatest of all time when it came to following religious rules. Here was the problem. The good shepherd was standing right in front of them and they never had a relationship with him. Can I give you good news today? If you don't have a relationship with the good shepherd today, you can. This story is going to happen in the future. As of today, the gate's still open and Jesus would love, would love to have a relationship with you. He wants you to be numbered among the sheep on that final day and he gave his life to prove how much he wanted you to be able to be numbered amongst sheep i can imagine there's going to be some confusion on that day because so many people they just assume they're sheep right another interesting poll not only do 80 percent of people in this country believe that they're going to answer for their life but 80 percent of people believe in god and therefore think they are sheep i think there's going to be a lot of shocked people on the final day and they're going to be saying what what am i doing over here with the goats i did nice things I went to church a couple of times a year. I sang the songs. I did the classes. I was a good person. And the king is going to say, I hate to break it to you. That doesn't make you a sheep. That just makes you a goat in sheep's clothing. You see, if you read the parable, this is the heartbreaking thing. When the shepherd has to say, you know about me, but you don't know me. You don't know me. I also think there's going to be some other people at this final judgment who are going to be shocked because they're going to look around the sheep side and go, wow, I did not think they would be here. Just in case you're wondering, if you're hanging with Christ the King, let me tell you a little bit about this spiritual family. I love hanging out with this crew because we are a group of broken, wounded human beings who've been restored by the grace of Jesus. We've spent a lifetime hanging on to the promise of amazing grace, but we had this moment, you see, when we stepped out and called out of our brokenness towards a good shepherd who promised to lay down his life for the sheep, and we are so amazed that we are numbered with God's blessed, but here's what we know. We are fixated on knowing him because we want him to know us. So self-assessment time, all right? Sheep or goat? Jesus follower or Jesus resistor? The gates open. Number two. I kind of like this one. Both the sheep and the goats are clueless. <laughs> I want you to know this. Both groups, the sheep and the goats, ask the same question. Um, so, uh, King, excuse me, Mr. Shepherd. Just exactly when did we see you on a street corner? Like just exactly when were you in prison? I, I don't recall feeding you or giving you a cold drink of water. They're both clueless until the king provides some clarification and he makes an assertion. The way you treated the least of these is truly the way you treated Jesus. Let me put it in another way. According to the way the king views the life that he gave you, I treat God the same way I treat those who are hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and imprisoned. 
Let me say that again. I treat Jesus the same way I treat those who are hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and imprisoned. I've met all of these people in my travels around the world. I've met people who had no food, no water, no clothing, and because they didn't have access to those things, they were sick. I've met people who were in prison within a social structure of poverty, and I've met people who were in actual prison with glass in between us. And I believe I had the normal emotional response to this verse that you had when you read it, I felt guilty. On top of that, I've been reading a book that has been driving me crazy. I'm rereading it for about the third time, but it's by Richard Stearns. It's called The Hole in Our Gospel, and his words are ringing in my ears, and I'm going to warn you, when I read them for the first time, they offended me. They're going to offend you. Don't let what happens in the next two minutes sting so badly you get sidetracked. Just let it settle in. For I was hungry, but you went out to eat again. I was thirsty, but you drank bottled water. I was a stranger, but you wanted me deported. I needed clothes, but you needed more clothes. I was sick, and you pointed out all the behaviors that made me sick. I was in prison, and you said I was getting what I deserved. Come on, people, stick with me. Don't get all offended and self-righteous. Don't let the sting sidetrack you. And when I came back from my travels, I I think I had another normal response. I, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to banish global hunger. I wanted to dig a well with my bare hands. I wanted to buy out Walmart and give it all away. And I wanted to use guilt and manipulation to get you to do it with me. Please hear this. Don't miss the point. The righteous in the story were commended because they did something. Something. Not because they had to, but because they were motivated by Jesus to move beyond good intentions and embrace their role as the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. They fed somebody. They gave someone a drink. They welcomed a stranger into their lives. They put clothes on somebody's back. They cared for someone who was sick. They visited someone who was locked up. I want you to notice this. They didn't do everything. They did something. They didn't help everyone. They just helped someone. They didn't take care of all the problems. They just did what they could, where they were, with what they had, with the person that Jesus put right in front of them. This is not a box to check. It's a lifestyle for every one of these. There's no on-off switch. It's just supposed to be on 24-7. It's interesting when you think about it. Because they did something, that's how the world knew they were actually sheep. Can I add one more piece of perspective here? Let's not push all of this out to the ends of the earth. Right here at home, or wherever you are on the other side of that camera, wherever you are, we are surrounded by people right here who are spiritually parched, who are starving for the love of a God they deny exists, They're exposed to every kind of spiritual fraud. They're heartsick and imprisoned in a belief system that says, I just really, really hope my good is good enough. 
and we are the ones. The good shepherd has called to have a conversation and love them into the kingdom so that they understand your good is not good enough, but the good of Jesus is. Some of you sheep in the room right now are just like, yeah, we need to really feel sorry for those goats, man. We got to help out. We got to help. This is not about superiority. This is about service. Here's what's interesting to me about the sheep side of things. If you look closer, there's actually a twofold responsibility. If you unpack the parable, there's a responsibility to everyone. All people of all time. We do have a larger stewardship because we are followers of Jesus. But I want you to notice something. There's also a responsibility to the other sheep, those within God's family. In the first section, this is what it says when he's talking to the sheep. It says, whatsoever you have done to these brothers and sisters of mine. So let's have a family moment. Inside the sheep pen. And let's listen as the shepherd speaks to us and says, hey, sheep. The goats will know what team you're on by the way you treat them and by the way you treat each other. Can I tell you what exhausts and infuriates me? When I speak to people who don't know Jesus and they say, Grant, I actually have room in my heart for Jesus. I, I actually, there's something about him that I could attach my life to, but why in the world would you ask me to become a Christian? Have you seen the way those people treat each other? That's powerful. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples, not by your love for them, but by the way you love one another. That's Bible. That's powerful. And you may want to think about that the next time you're tempted to light somebody up inside of the family of God because they've got a different conviction or opinion than you. Somewhere in this message, I said, your relationship with the shepherd determines your eternity, your actions determine your allegiance, and that leads us to the final kingdom principle. Number four, the king remembers small acts of kindness that we have forgotten. The king sees those small incidental acts of kindness that, that no one else does, and he never, ever, ever, ever forgets them. He sees them all, big and small, seen and unseen. They are not forgotten by him. I was going back in the memory banks over the last couple of weeks and several years ago, Whatcom County lost um, an incredible human being. Back in those days, Walmart had greeters and if you ever went into Walmart, you were greeted by an amazing human being by the name of Tim. And if you ever met Tim, you were blessed and you will remember him. Tim was in a wheelchair, but it never defined him. He had spina bifida, but that never stopped him. He was a man who chose to live beyond his restrictions, and he was nothing but pure joy. Years ago, Tim went home to Jesus. He rolled everywhere here on earth, but he ran across the finish line. And I know some of you are thinking right now, oh, this will be cool. The pastor's going to tell us a really nice story of how he did something really, really nice for Tim. 
And if you think that's what I'm going to share with you, you're absolutely 100% wrong. We're going to flip that story right over. You see, a couple of years back, on two different occasions, I was having a bad day. It was one of those days when I'm really glad in Scripture that shepherds have sticks because I felt like taking my stick and beating sheep over the head. Just being honest. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but sheep bite. And they're selfish and they have access to email. <laughs> On two day, two different days, two occasions. My day was so bad, I'm just like, I am done. Jesus, take your sheep and do whatever you want with them, but I am done. I am finished. And in God's providence, he sent me and my bad mood to Walmart, and there was Tim. He always greeted me the same way. Pastor G, how you doing, brother? And for some reason that day, I did not lie to him. I told him the truth. I said, Tim, I'm not doing very good. And he <laughs> did not give me a pep talk. He just rolled over and he started praying out loud. And if you know Tim, nothing was quiet. He just rolled right over, put his hand on, like, in the name of Jesus, God help, Grant. I mean, he just started calling down heaven. He broke every Walmart policy there was. He didn't care because he was working under the Lord. I mean, he was just doing his thing. <laughs> he, pray, he prayed my bad mood out of me. He cast stuff out. He did, I mean, he covered the whole thing for a long time. On Walmart's dime. I love that. <laughs> and when he finished, he said, amen. And then he looked at me and he said, you keep going. I'll tell you what, I know what the response of Jesus was when Tim showed up in heaven. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Did Tim help everybody? No. He did what he could, where he was, with whoever God put directly in front of him. Oh boy, do we need more Tims. Dr. Haddon Robinson, Haddon Robinson, one of my favorite preachers, said, he goes, Matthew says that, and by Matthew he means the writer of the book that we just finished reading. Matthew says that those who belong to the king, who have allowed him to do a deep work in their lives, are, are characterized by little unremembered acts of kindness and love that just flow from their inner nature, which has been touched by God as naturally as wool comes from the back of a sheep. Pastor Craig Rochelle said, never underestimate what God can do through one small act of obedience. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I use my imagination to kind of envision what my conversations are going to be like with Jesus. And I'm amazed how every time I think I picture something to be so beautiful and so just amazing and all the rest of it, God just takes it and flips it upside down. For a long time, I've had this picture in my mind of a conversation that I'm going to have when I get home to heaven and after the rapture and the marriage supper of the Lamb and the second coming and after we all find out that to a certain extent we all were wrong, <laughs> right? I imagine having a conversation 
that'll go something like this, where the, the good shepherd will sit down with me and say, hey, Fishbook, do you, do you remember June the 5th, 2003? And in my humanness, I'll go, oh, yeah, June 5th, 2003, that was the day I was voted in to become the senior pastor of Christ the King Community Church at a special business meeting. And the king will say, yeah, that was not what I was talking about. I wasn't talking about the vote or that day. I was actually talking about the fact that, that I put somebody right outside of the church sitting on the planter after the business meeting and, and you walked by him and, and, and he said, hey, do you have a moment to pray? And you actually sat down and grand, here's what I need you to understand. I honestly don't really care that much about the vote. I do care about the fact that you stopped and prayed with that guy because supernaturally in a way that I can't even explain to you, that was me. That was me. That little thing, it mattered. You know what bothers me? I wonder how many of those little things I've just walked right on past. Because I was just so busy doing my life. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I, I'm looking forward to some explanations. I'd like to know who slipped into my garage about 28 or 29 years ago after we got the call that Laurel's dad had passed away, somebody snuck into my garage and, and put an envelope full of cash underneath of my windshield wiper. They didn't know we didn't have enough gas to get home. I'd like to know who did that. I want Jesus to out a whole bunch of people that day. It was them. By the way, if they're watching from Steinbeck, Manitoba, Kevin and Lisa Martins, I think it was you. Just saying, all right? I'd like to know who put that little encouraging sticky note on my windshield two weeks ago. It mattered. And I know you gave it to me and stuck it on my windshield, but in some supernatural way that I can't understand but is wrapped in this parable, you actually didn't give it to me. You gave it to Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We've done this before. Every time we do this, I get pushback from local restaurateurs and baristas. I don't care because it's the best kind, of, best kind of pushback you can ever get. Could you intentionally do a small act of kindness this week? You may want to check your rearview mirror to make sure there's not a 15-passenger van behind you in the coffee line, but... She's saying <laughs> that actually happened and they paid, which was really cool. And what if we did it not to check a box or to brag about ourselves or to think that somehow I'm going to earn an attaboy from the shepherd? What if we just did it because we've been blessed to be a blessing? What if Jesus is driving the car behind you? in the drive-thru or sitting two booths over wondering how in the world they're going to pay for the meal they just ate alright you know I wish I had something profound to say about the goats I'm not sure I do 
Well, maybe the most profound thing that I can say about this story is this, because it's still in the future. Can I tell you something? Jesus loves goats. I want to remind you, this, this is in the future, and it is tragic what happens to those who resist the call of Jesus in a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's tragic to see what happens, but, but we're not there yet. And because we're not there yet, here's what I can tell you. The shepherd wants you to be a sheep. I read the end of this parable, and it's just tragic to me because... I don't know about you, but I've met some really, really incredible people who were loving and good and kind. They just don't know Jesus yet. That's why I don't like the language non-Christian. I like pre-Jesus follower. That's how it rolls. Everyone, just a pre-Jesus follower. And I said it before, I need to say it again. As much as we would love to convince ourselves that our good is good enough, it's simply not true. Only the goodness of Jesus is good enough to create a relationship where you come and ask for forgiveness and God the Father says, forgiven. So no matter where you place yourself in the categories, God knows everything about you. And he so desperately wants you to know him. He wants you to be known, and the way that happens is through his grace, Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace that we've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. Let me say this again. If you walk out of here as a sheep going by, I'm just so sorry for those goats. This is not about superiority, it's about service. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, so that no one can boast. Right now, in this moment, Jesus died for both sheep and goats because we're not at the end of the story yet. We're going to talk about the end of the story next week. So in this moment in history, what I love to be able to tell you is there's a glorious opportunity to the fate of the goats at the beginning of Matthew chapter 25. There's a glorious alternative and the alternative is a relationship with the shepherd that allows you to be one of his sheep and to, to follow him and to walk behind him and to be protected by him and to be covered by his grace. And I hope and pray you'll take that opportunity today. And for those of you that are already sheep, I pray that you would be humble and serve and be so unbelievably grateful that Jesus knows you. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. And God, thank you this morning for an opportunity to talk to my friends here in the room and my friends online. God, I thank you. I thank you for this beautiful parable that is both sobering and convicting, a little scary, but incredibly hopeful. God, I pray that the sheep in the room who've been numbered amongst God's family would use this opportunity not to be superior, but to serve. I pray that we would serve each other in a way that the world would look at us and say, I want to be a part of that. And God, I pray that we would 
reach out and love the least of these knowing that that's actually a really good description of us God I pray for those in the moment right now who are either watching or in the room who have never started a relationship with Jesus and I pray that they would know that they can know his voice and I pray that they would recognize right now that his voice is calling to them saying trust me confess your sin to me repent go the opposite direction I will lead you I will forgive you I will give you grace so God I pray on the other side of the camera and in the room right now that many would be saying Jesus forgive me I want to know you I confess I've lived life my own way but no more as of today I will follow God, I pray that many would be included in the family of God as your beloved sheep today. Give us courage and faith to step over that line. We pray these things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, if you took a step towards God today, we would love to have a conversation with you. You can actually go to believe.ctk.church. We would love to follow up and talk with you. We're not gonna do anything weird. We'd just really like to get to know your name. As well, if you have a prayer request today, we'd love you to go to prayer.ctk.church. If you fill out that little form, an army of people will be informed about your prayer need and we can all pray together. We can all pray together. So now, may the faithful at home and the faithful here in the room unleash themselves on Whatcom County. May you do things that don't make sense, that are somewhat illogical, knowing that every person you're doing that to in some supernatural way is your shepherd. Have a great week. Get to work.